I'm going to make use of your uh, the bookmarker there in your Bible this morning because uh, we're going to be looking at uh, 1 Samuel uh, chapter uh, 1 Samuel chapter uh, 29 and uh, and 30 this morning. But before uh, do that, I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of First uh, Peter First uh, Peter chapter one uh, this morning because this morning we're reading about David's uh, David's uh, exile. That he was having to run from Saul, so he's uh, living there on the run, and he has to go to a, a foreign place. And uh, we talked in, in the ending verses of uh, chapter uh, twenty-eight last week, as uh, I mean, uh, chapter uh, twenty-seven a couple of weeks ago, talking about the the pain that David uh, faced because he was running from Saul, that he had to leave his country. And not only leave his country, but also having to leave the being able to go into the presence of uh, of the temple of God. And we know how much David loved uh, to worship God. And you just think about what type of a a heartache that had to be uh, for David, as he's having to live uh, far from home. He's having to live uh, far away from uh, his family. He's having to uh, to live in just a foreign land in a world that does it. Uh, a land that doesn't acknowledge his God, and as a matter of fact, that a land that is hostile uh, towards his God. And it reminded me of the life into which we live as believers. We live our lives as exiles. We live our lives as foreigners. And First Peter, he really brings up that idea because he was speaking to a group of exiles. He was speaking to a group that was run uh, out of their town because of their belief in Christ. And they were having to live in strange lands with strange gods. And he, he uh, carried on, Peter did, that analogy about how they were actually literally exiles from their own homeland. But he carried that analogy talking about that's how we all are as believers because we are in exile. We are living in a foreign land. And he described them as sojourners. And he described them as aliens. And that's the life that we all live in Christ Jesus here upon this world because we are aliens, because this is not our home. And we long to be at a home with Jesus, but now we are here in this land upon this world that is hostile to Christ and hostile to what we believe. So how is it that we are going to be able to make it through it? And so before we begin our study and looking about how David faced this time in our life, First Peter gives us some ideas. He gives us some things that we need to remember in our life that I'm sure David thought about in his life and that we can think about our life as we live our life here in this foreign land. So let's read the first nine verses of 1 Peter chapter 1, and it says this. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those elect exiles of the Diasporus and Portus and Galatia and Capsilia and Asia and um, Batania, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Christ, to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling with blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to the inheritance that is 
that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through the faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the testing of the genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through it, is tested by fire and may be found as a result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you have not seen him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is imperishable, that is uh, inexpressible and filled with glory, uh, uh, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. There's five things I want you to remember, five things I want you to write down to remember as we, lo- as we look through these verses, as we move into 1 Samuel. And I also want you to remember them as you go throughout your life. I want you to remember these five things. The first thing I want you to remember is that we as believers are exiles. We are foreigners here upon the earth. And the next thing I want you to remember is not only are we exiles, but we have not just a hope, but we have a living hope. And the third thing I want you to write down, and the third thing I want you to remember is that we are guarded. We are watched over. The fourth thing I want you to remember, and this we should all know very well, is that we will all face trials. And the fifth thing I want you to remember is that those trials will produce genuineness in your faith and praise to God. And so as we think about those things, we turn back over, uh, we turn back over to David in, um, in 1 Samuel, and we remember that he's living as an exile, and we remember that he has been run off to a foreign country. But even as he goes to a foreign place, he has three things there with him. He has three things that he's there living as an exile, and I believe that we too have these three things that are given to us by God. First thing he had is he had people. He had people. Uh, the book of uh, Chronicles tells us about uh, tells us more about this exile of David when he was running from Saul. And he says that as he went to the place and as he went to the land of the Philistines, as he went to Ziglag, that people gathered around him. People from all over Israel, people from the land of Judah, people from the tribe of Benjamin, people from the uh, tribe of Manasseh, people from the tribe of Dan, people from the tribe of Asher, people from the tribe of uh, Issachar, people from the tribe of Nephites, all those who believed, and not just in David, in his power and might, but believed God's word that he ultimately would be the king. And they gathered around David, and they gathered around each other. So even as we live as exiles, even as we live here uh, as sojourners, God has given us people. Well, you say that I don't believe that God has given me people. Well, I want you to take a, take a look around you. You see all the people that God has given us, all these people who just like you, 
just like you who believe that this world is not our home, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He's coming back. Even though the world around us does not believe those things, He has surrounded us with people who do. And sometimes we can feel like Elijah. Sometimes we can feel like we're all alone. Sometimes we can think like we're the only ones left. But may God open our eyes to see that he has put people in our life, even as exiles, to encourage us and strengthen us as we go through this life together. And that's what we should do. We should encourage one another as we go through this strength and as we go through this walk together. So not only did God give him people, but he also gave him a place that even in the midst of his running and even in the midst of him not fitting in, he did give him a a town uh, for this season in his life, and that was a Ziklag. And so he goes together there, and he goes together with these people, and that was his outpost. That was his ministry. That was where he was. And so that even as we live as foreigners here upon this world, even as we live as sojourners, and even as we live as exiles, God has given us a place. God has placed us here, and he's placed us where he has placed us for a reason. And he has work for each and every one of us to do where we are. So our time here, from the time that we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, to the time that God comes to take us home, it's not just a time for us to sit on the pew and fold our hands and say, man, I hope Jesus comes back. But he puts us in places for us to do the work. So God gave David people. God gave David places. But David also had problems. He had a lot of problems. And it seems that once he got one problem solved, here come another. And sometimes that another problem didn't come before that problem was solved. Sometimes that problem came and then another problem came. And then there was another problem behind that problem. Can any of y'all relate? Can any of y'all relate that type of life? And and as we look at this, 1 Samuel chapter, uh, chapter 30 Verse 6 kind of gives us a summary statement about the current situation that David found himself in. Listen to verse number 6. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because of all the people were bitter in soul, each for each of his own sons and daughters. He had people around him. They were trying to stone him. Not only was he facing his own trouble, but he had the people around him and their troubles as well. well what has happened? Well, when David gets up to, uh, to Ziglag, he finds himself in a foreign land. And when he found himself in a foreign land, he has to make some difficult decisions because now he's living under someone else's authority. Now he's living under someone else's kingship. He's there with the king of Achish. And he has to decide to what degree am I going to try to fit in and what uh, degree am I going to obey the Lord? What am I going to do? And David makes the decision, hey, I'm here over with the Philistines. And since I am in this man's kingdom, if this king is going to war, then I have to go with him and fight for him. And so he put himself in a position to where he was fixing to line himself up to go fight against his own people. Sometimes living as sojourners, sometimes living in this foreign land, 
we kind of have to make difficult decisions in our hearts and our lives. And so there they go. They're lining up to fight. And as chapter 29 tells us that as they are passing before the uh, kings and the rulers and the nobles, they see these Hebrews there with a key. and say, look, these people can't go with us. And they talk bad about David. They said they would, that he would turn on them. He said their men weren't fit to fight. And he sent them home. Even though he had done nothing wrong, he was treated like a criminal. He and his men. And so he and his men go back. And they go back and they're mad. And they're angry. And they make a three days journey in their anger. You know how it is when you get mad. When you get mad, you start doing things quick. You start getting, uh, you start moving fast. You know, someone makes you mad. You know, you, uh, you start moving quicker. That's why all your coaches in high school always try to make you so mad because you do a lot more when you get mad. And so they were mad, and they were walking for three days. They had just a steep in their anger, but then they get to Ziglag. And as they approach, they see the burning embers. They see the burning embers of their city burning. And as they get closer, they realize that they had been raided. And all of their wives and all of their children and all of the people and all of their things are gone. And so now there is this heartache. Now is this anger. And you just have this raw emotion. You see David facing the tribulation. You see David facing the trials. You see David facing the things that you and I face in our everyday life. But we also see a difference in the way that the lost people face them and the way that David faced them. You see David. You see David's men. He said that... Uh, he was distressed. They were going through the same thing. They were feeling the same emotions, but his people facing that problem, facing that situation, they were ready to stone David because that's the only thing that they knew how to do. And you notice when people make us angry, when people hurt us, and when we just face problem after problem after problem and anger after anger after anger, we want to do two things. Number one, we want to break something. And that the way we are when we get our anger, we want to break something. And the next thing we want to do is we want to make somebody pay. And that the way we are. And that's what these people were wanting to do. They were wanting to break something, and they were going to make somebody pay. And they did like we would do, is we put those two things together. Is I'm going to break something over your head and make you pay for this hurt that I feel in my heart. That's the way we do when we're lost. That's the way we do when we have no hope. Or that's the way that we do when those things that we put our hope in come crashing down. But look at David's reaction. That last phrase in verse number 6 of chapter 30, it said, But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. They were going through the same thing. They were feeling the same emotions, and they had the same problem. And while all the other people felt so hopeless and felt so out of control, David said, 
of the Scripture says that David strengthened himself in his God. Why was he able to do that? Because he had a living hope. There was someone that he could call on. There was someone that he could turn to. There was somebody who could help him. And it wasn't somebody who walked upon the earth. It wasn't someone who faced the same limitations that you and I do. But he had someone who was the all-powerful, almighty, and all-knowing and able to respond to him and his situation. The lost and the saved, we go through the same problems. We go through the same problems that everybody else faces, but we go through them a lot differently. While the other world just rages and fights and lives life without hope, we are able to, even as we face those emotions, gather ourselves and strengthen ourselves in the Lord. And so he strengthens himself in the Lord And he calls upon the Lord, and he says, what must I do? And that's what he does next. He tells the priest to come bring him the ephod, and he cries out to God. He said, God, what should I do? Should we go after them? Should we go pursue them? Would we overtake them? Notice David's disposition. He looked for the reason of why this was happening. He was praying that, God, God, I want to bring my family back. God, I want to take vengeance on these people. God, I want to get all of my things and all of my possessions back. That's what I want. That's my concern. But, Lord, if there's any other reason, if there's any other plan that you have for this time in my life, I'm open to that. That's why I'm asking you, what is your will for me to do in that situation? And that should be our concern as well. We should be crying out to God, God, how is it that you want me to understand this time in my life? God, I know you're there. And God, I know that if you want to, you know, bring me through this storm, if you want to make this storm go away, you can make this storm go away. But Lord, if you want to make me walk through the storm to teach me something, Lord, I'm ready to walk through it. Lord, where is it that you want me to go? And so when we face the hard times and tribulations, it's going to show us what type of people are. Are we really people who believe in the living hope of God? Or do we just respond like the rest of the world? So he prays to God. God tells them to go. Surely you will uh, overtake them. And so as he faces this moment of trial in, in his life, God tells them to go out, and they go fight. And they go, and they run, and eventually they uh, find an informant, and they lead them there, and uh, they find all of the, uh, the people there, and they're just all drunk, passed out, you know, enjoying all the things they, they just took. But the Lord had watched over them during this time. God had guarded them. And it's important for us to, to remember that God is guarding us during these times, that God is a guard of our life, and nothing happens in our lives. Nothing comes through us, whether good or bad, without receiving the approval of God. And so even in our times where it just seems like everything is in chaos, we understand that God is in control and that God was just using this as the opportunity to grow David and show him more of what God can do. And so God had watched over the captives. He hadn't let one of them 
be killed. And so they finally track them down, and they finally have the victory. But we see uh, what was the result of this. Look at verse number 18. It says, David, uh, David recovered all that the uh, Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his two wives. Uh, nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoils or anything that had been taken. David brought it, brought back all of it. David also uh, captured all the flocks and the herds, and all the people drove the livestock before him, and he said, this is David's spoil. So we see that God worked through this time in David's life. What really seemed to be like a crushing, crushing victory, God used it as an opportunity to show David even more of God's power. And so God and so David not only received back everything that was taken for, from him, but he received back so much more. You know, life can sometimes take a lot of things from us. It can take our health, it can take our friends, it can take our loved ones. It could take things that we treasure and possess so much, but we have this great assurance from God that whatever it appears that this life uh, has taken from us, that God will give it back. Not only give back what we've lost, but return it even so much more. And sometimes God does that here upon this earth, and we get to see God work it, and we get to see God bring it back here upon this earth. But even what we don't receive back here upon this earth, we will receive back a hundredfold in his kingdom in eternity to come. Isn't it good to know that we are guarded? Isn't it good to know that our lives are in God's hands? Isn't it good to know that we can call upon him? Isn't it good to know that we can trust him? But we really only learn those things when we face them. We don't really learn them when we're here on Sunday morning and just writing five things down on a notebook. But really when we come to understand it, really when it comes uh, to how we learn about who God is and how he works in our hearts and our lives, is by going through trials and tribulations and letting them grow, and grow us and letting them strengthen us. David learned some things. David learned some things when he went to this. And, um, and you see the growth in his heart in an incident that happened after this. On their way to uh, conquer the Amalekites, of course, they had been running for the three days uh, from the battle. And uh, then this happens. And so some people got exhausted. Some people got worn out. And some people couldn't carry on. So 200 of them got left behind Well, the rest of them went to go and fight. And when they conquered all the spoil, the, uh, they brought the things back, and finally they come back to the people that they had left behind. And the Scripture says that the worldly people, 
the wicked and worthless men said to these men who had been left behind, you can take what was yours to begin with, but you have no share in the spoil that we took. That was the world's reaction. You know, you didn't come fight, so you don't get anything. You know, we're not sharing. We're not doing anything. But David had learned something through this encounter. Listen to what it says in verse number 23. It says, but David said, you shall not do so, my brothers, uh, with what the Lord has given us. He has preserved us and given into our, uh, given to our hands uh, the band that came against us. You know, isn't that something? Lost people and people who know Christ can go through the same thing. And we've already seen that we go, from, uh, go through that in different ways. But we also understand life in different ways. The lost people, the men who were with them, saw this was a bad tragedy that they were able to rectify. But David saw it as a work of the Lord. David saw God moving in the events in his life. And he knew that whatever he was given did not come from his work or his might, but rather was a gift from the Lord. Isn't that something? There's so many people that will walk this earth and say they don't see God, they don't believe God, they don't see Him working. But those who know Him as our personal Lord and Savior see God's hand moving in our life all the time. We see God working, working in this world all the time. And because we see God working, and because we see God moving, In our lives, in the world, we realize everything that we have. Nothing of it is ours, but all of it belongs to God. He carried on that a little bit further, that as he received the spoil and as he received his share, he went through a process of taking what he had and sending them out as gifts to all the cities and all the regions that had helped him and supported him as he had been running for Saul. He saw the things that God had done, and he recognized everything that he had as a gift. The trial and tribulation that he faced opened his eyes to see God's hand moving in every event in his life. And when he saw those things as active, as the acts of God, it opened his heart to see how much God loved him and how much had, get, had given him. And it created in him a heart of gratitude, not only to God, but all the people that God had worked through to bless his life. That's the way that we are as believers as we walk upon this earth, is if we take the hope, Take hold of the hope, the living hope that we have in Christ Jesus as we face our trials and tribulations. We see that God is guarding us. God's hand is moving in our life and that God would use that trial, Lord, to to grow us. And because we see God's hands moving, our hearts are filled with gratitude and praise to God. Where are you this morning? 
Are you here this morning with a heart of gratitude and praise of how God's been working in your life? Or are you just angry and bitter because of the things that you're facing? Thinking that there's no hope and there's no justice. I encourage you this morning to open your eyes, open your hearts, and to see God moving even as we live in this lost and dying world as his exiles. God has left us here upon this earth, but he has not left us alone. And the great promise that we have from Christ is that he is there with us, even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the things that you've blessed us with. Lord, a lot of times we don't see those blessings. A lot of times, Lord, some of the greatest blessings, Lord, that we face, that we, uh, that we have, are those trials and tribulations that you bring in our life. Because it's through them that we see you. It's through them that we see your love, and we see your power, and we see your might. And it's in them, Lord, that we become grateful for what you do in our hearts in our lives. Lord, as we come to this time of invitation, Lord, I pray our hearts will be open, and I pray that we respond to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing a hymn.